listening to episode 253 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. And we are approaching the end, man. This is episode 11. Two more yeah, to go. I know. It's crazy. And a lot of stuff happened in this one. So, you know, definitely got, a, definitely got a lot to talk about. And, and you know, uh, thinking back to how you said, really, at the beginning of this season, that you want to reserve your A's for the second half of this season. And you certainly were correct in that that uh, approach right right uh, you know it's it's kind of cool actually going back and doing dollhouse which i haven't seen in a long time that i like you know i remember how it ended up kind of but i didn't really remember how we got there so it's yeah. still like a lot of this stuff is pretty fresh uh for me that after the fact like oh yeah, yeah now i remember that but uh you know but like how this whole episode shook out you know, while I remembered the end result, I, I I didn't know how we got there, and and when we find out how we got there, I was like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, a big I, moment. There's a big "holy cow" moment towards the end of this thing where you're just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I didn't see that coming, and I had seen it before, and I still didn't see it coming. So, you know, that was good. Yeah, and a lot of the nuance is I I don't want to say lost on you the first time around, or even the second time because. We, we've both seen this. This is probably my third or fourth time. But still, you know, it, it it's really, as you said, it's it's still fresh even, you know, this far down the road. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited. And hopefully you guys out there are excited. Send us an email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website if you want. Leave a voicemail on the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip if you'd like. Tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. But as always, consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Just a quick shout out to thank our Patreon patrons. And if you're considering it, you can just go to the website, look for the Patreon link on the right side, or go to patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch. All right, so let's just jump right into the tip of the week. And I'll go ahead and start because I know you're probably going to need the time to think about what your tip is. <laughs> no, I actually can't. Well, unless you take it, I've got one ready to go. Oh, go ahead. Well, you go first then. Okay. Well, I was just going to say uh, the season premiere of Humans would be my uh, my pick of the week here. Yeah, I've seen the first episode. Well, I guess that's all that's aired at this point, and it yeah. was freaking awesome. It was really, really good. And you know, here's you know the thing about like these because they just do they run like what like ten episodes? Did they even go ten? Only, only eight. Yeah, eight. Right. So. Yeah, there's like a lot of time between the end of one season and the beginning of the next, but uh, you know they did a really good job, you know, with the you know previously on bit at the beginning, and and you just kind of like got right back into it. I can't like the Expanse is always like a show where while I am absolutely loving it this season, I, I feel like I have to go back and watch the previous episode and understand what the heck's going on in this episode. But Humans is really. Uh, I'm not saying it's not complex. I'm just saying that if there's just some reason, um, you know, it's it, that that transitions pretty smooth from one season to the next, despite the amount of time. Yeah, and I love how they transitioned into this season with, uh, you know, the, the green eyes, the orange eyes, the you know, the 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 camp that they're relegated to living in. Oh, just just an outstanding show. Yeah. So as Wayne said, if you haven't seen Humans, it's only eight episodes. We're you know, in just beginning season three. Yeah. So right. already and, one eighth in. Right. And, and you mentioned the expanse. And for whatever reason, my DVR did not record 
the Wednesday I was in Florida. So, uh, so I'm sitting down to watch Colony uh, last night, and I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm missing something here. So I went back and I realized I missed a whole episode. It didn't record. And then when I uh-huh. went to watch The Expanse today, same deal. But I don't know. As I've said many times, I like The Expanse. I keep watching it, but I just didn't even bother to go back and look at the episode I missed. So I guess that says something. But Wow. Uh, really? Because like, yeah, there's a lot yeah. going on right now. That's like I know. I <laughs> oh, know. All right. Well, anyway, my tip of the week, I know you'll like Luke Cage season two is going to hit Woo-hoo! Netflix on June 22nd. Oh, nice. And after its stellar first season, I can't wait to see what's in store for the bulletproof man. And it is my second favorite Marvel Netflix series, just a little bit behind Jessica Jones. But that's not the only Marvel offering that I think you guys should be paying attention to cloak and dagger debuted with his first two episodes airing on June 7th on Freeform. Now, Freeform is a network that you you might not even know that you have. I, I didn't know I had it until I went looking for it because it's, you know, in a number range that I don't ordinarily go into. Mm-hmm. But two teenagers with superpowers first meet as children and then later cross paths as teenagers and they struggle to adapt to what they both see as a burden. It's really good. I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, if, if you have free form, it's worth at least checking out the first episode. So now, that is Cloak is that, and Dagger. Is that, is that Marvel or DC? It's Marvel. Is it? Okay. For some reason, I thought it was DC. All right. Anyway, continue. Well, now you got me. Now you got me. <laughs> we'll, have to look, we'll have to look it up when we get a chance. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Marvel. So Okay. All right. Well, why don't we jump into Dollhouse, which we are certain appeared on Fox, and they're the (laughs) bastards that canceled it. But anyway, that's another story. (laughs) This is episode 211, Getting Closer, written and directed by Tim Minear. Now, Tim Minear wrote 203 Bell Shows and 112 Omega and also directed them. And this one aired on January 8th, 2010. As well as lots of Firefly. Yeah. Now, we've got a lot in this episode. And and on the one hand, we're presented a much more complete picture of Caroline Farrell. And and one of the first things that hits me is try to come to terms with how I feel about her. Because it's one of these cases where we have to ask, do the ends justify the means? And the fundamental question, is she evil? Right. Well, I I, I don't... I don't know if, if really I don't I don't know if I come away from this one wondering if she's evil, but um you, you certainly but I, I think really uh you definitely question her, her methods here, right? Well DeWitt even says she's worse than evil. She's an idealist. Right, right. So she doesn't mean evil as like per se evil, but you know, probably from DeWitt's perspective certainly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but she doesn't really seem to care who she hurts to get what she wants, and and she uses Bennett to get inside Rossum, right? Which and, and that's like obviously the big question we have because we feel it is pretty shabby, but she comes clean to Bennett, and Bennett's like all in, you know, like their friendship. I think at the end that wasn't something Caroline was faking, and when she abandoned her, I don't think she abandoned her for selfish reasons. Uh, she abandoned her because she didn't want Ben to get in trouble. Right. And, and on this rewatch, 
it, it certainly becomes clear to the audience. And you wonder why it's not clear to Bennett that Caroline tells her, you know, when she puts her ID badge on here, just tell him you were working late and you got caught up in it. And, you know, you'll be covered. There's no sense in us both getting arrested. But my question is about the flashbacks. Do they occur after Caroline was already in the dollhouse? And the reason I I say this, and this is really the first time I really even thought about this, why is she even on DeWitt's radar otherwise? Why is her file in DeWitt's desk? I mean, we understand why Bennett uh, Halverson's file might be in there because she's going to come to work for Rossum. But what about Caroline? I never thought of that until this time. Well, this is where I get confused as to the timeline and like trying to think back to you know the pilot because wasn't there a time when they pulled her in and then it's like it wasn't until later that that they actually dollhouse finally got her as a doll you know we'll see that's what i'm yeah right i know what you're saying i'm not sure about that because i i certainly remember that opening scene when the uh, semi-defiant Caroline is sitting in DeWitt's office uh, being offered tea and, you know, really just really pissed off that she has no other options, or at least she feels she has no other options. But we're led to believe that that is what got her in the dollhouse in the first place. Now I'm not so sure. Or are these flashbacks something that occurred after that intake scene? Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that we have a, no, uh, yeah. a concrete answer, but. Um, we got to go back and watch season one all over again. Or the whole season. But uh, <laughs> now the other thing that, you know, we'll talk about because because really this episode breaks down into the flashbacks and then, you know, the the quest to bring Caroline Farrell really back into her body. But the question, if Caroline comes back, will Echo cease to exist? And, you know, you brought up humans in the uh, opening segment, and, and a lot of what humans is all about is what does it mean to be a person? And, and certainly that's something that comes up here. But I think everybody agrees Echo is a person. The question is, can Caroline and Echo coexist? You know, Echo... Hazard Dallas. Well, Echo, Echo is actually, you know, pretty uh, anti-Caroline as well. On the one hand, obviously she's upset that this her body got stuck into the dollhouse in the first place, and she kind of seems like she hangs out on Caroline. Uh, I mean, yeah, she's just really, really like super uh, annoyed with Caroline to the point that she, you know, is going to create a plan with Bennett to, you know, basically telling her, you know, you can do whatever you want to her. Right. And on the one hand, you understand that Echo has fought tooth and nail to be in the position that she's in now. Why on earth would she want someone else to come in and possibly upset everything she's worked so hard for? So so we right. certainly understand that. Well, that, but, I just I just remember the second part I was going to say is that Echo should I, I mean, she doesn't really show an awareness of this fact, but her existence is because of Caroline, right? Had Caroline not gone to the dollhouse, Echo wouldn't be a thing. Well, that's she true. She wouldn't exist. So there is that as well, though that's not something she reflects upon in, in, in this episode, though. 
Right. Now, we also get a more complete picture of the history between Caroline and Bennett, uh, including how they initially meet at Tucson Institute of Technology. <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> T-I-T? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. I'm with you there. Uh, now, just because these guys might be a little nerdy doesn't mean they're not above a little bit of sophomoric humor once in a while. I uh, know. Uh, now, we also hear a little bit about the differences between the houses. Now, we certainly got an inkling that everything wasn't run the same from house to house, but I love uh, Bennett's assessment that the L.A. house is, is run as if the dolls are like free-range chickens as opposed to her house where she approaches them as if they're veal. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a nice metaphor there. Well, no, it's not. Now, now the other thing, and obviously we'll, we'll expand on these things once we get into the discussion, but we've talked a lot about DeWitt. And on the one hand, she can come across as this cold as ice, maybe even uh, someone who doesn't really care about anybody but herself. But I, I think along the way, we have gotten that sense that she really does care about those under her. And tonight she says, I'm not leaving behind a house full of helpless creatures when it appears that the L.A. house is under siege. And that's when she issues the order to restore all the original imprints and then you know send them out with all the benefits that, say, we saw Melly receive and uh, – and Victor as well. So, uh, you know, we're getting more of a complete picture of her. And, yeah, I think sometimes you have to uh, wait to see somebody in a crisis until you really learn what they're like. And, and I think that says a lot about her. Yeah, absolutely. So, Now, the other question, because we talked about, you know, what does it mean to be a person? How will Caroline's introduction to Echo affect her? But what Ballard asks Echo as he's watching Melly and the other dolls, once they've done this to you, can you ever be right again? So I, I guess he's asking that question that after you've put in your five years and had your original personality replaced mm -hmm. or, or re-imprinted, are you the same or will you carry this five-year dollhouse experience with you forever? Again, we don't have an answer to it, but it's a great question. Yeah, and well, from from what we've seen so far, I would, you know, when he asked that in in the episode, I, I'm like, well, no, no, you're you're not the same, and and for one reason is because Rossum won't let you be, like they, you're not done, you're not out ever, you know, like we've seen him pull in, you know, like Melly, like she thought she was done, and here she is, she's right back in the middle of it, and then of course, you know, you already alluded to the the big big reveal at the end that boyd is in fact one of the co-founders of rossum and so now you know you mentioned going back and watching the pilot again now we have to go back and, and really consider well what is his end game through all of this because we do learn in this episode that dewitt has really never met the man in charge so well she has she just didn't know it well, right, exactly. So, all right, well, we mentioned the flashbacks. What brought Caroline Farrell to the dollhouse? And, and I love that opening scene where she's got the guy and they're on some sort of a date and she's talked her uh, way into getting him to go into what we figure is DeWitt's office. And then once she handcuffs him and he's like, oh, crap, a thief. He goes, and she goes, relax, I'm not a thief, I'm a terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, all you right. Know, I, oh, that's fine I, then. 
I was worried and, uh, there for a minute. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, yeah here's always... just a, this is a public service announcement to all our listeners out there. Should you be hooking up with someone in your boss's office, if they pull out the handcuffs, that's probably where you should draw the line. Just be like, nah, no, 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 let's let's not do the handcuffs. Right, right now. She starts rifling through DeWitt's desk, and and as I mentioned before, she pulls out Bennett's file, which is understandable that DeWitt would have the file of somebody like Bennett Halverson, but why does she have a file on Caroline? That's still a question that, that really plagues me. We don't get an answer for it, but after she is kind of done with those files, she uncovers the security monitor's that include Topher's imprinting room as well as the main floor of the dollhouse. And that is definitely something that she was not aware of and, and certainly didn't bargain for at this point. And it's certainly right. early dollhouse. I mean, it's not exactly. There certainly were some differences to what we've come to know through the you know course of these two seasons. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. Well, I just... I, I really feel like I should have gone back and just checked this because I feel like there's there's something from season one and like there's probably people out there just slapping their heads right now saying I how these this guy's an idiot but I feel like there's something in, in season one where she had to run in with the dollhouse but the, that wasn't when they took her in and then it was like three years later that she finally went I think we saw that like I think we saw her as Caroline have some kind of run in with the dollhouse, but before she was in the dollhouse. So, you know, that would be how she got on their radar. And then it was like three, two, three years later where now where we're, which is what we're seeing now where she you know becomes a doll. Well, I mean, I guess it's the, you know, the incident with the lab and her boyfriend. Yeah. When her, when her boyfriend gets killed. I mean, if that's right. what you're referring to. I th- yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, I think I, we assumed at first that that was what got her in, but I don't think that. I think she, 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 yeah, she, she's that's right. She escapes. There we go. Here we go. It's coming back now. Remember, she, 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 she blew out. Like they had her. She was interviewing with uh, Dewitt, but then she, she left. She got out. Hmm. See, I don't remember that. I, I just remember the I, incident. I am almost positive that I, okay. I really should. Like I said, I'm mad at myself for not looking this up. But I think they got her. She was sitting there talking to it. She escapes, and then, like three years later, or whatever time, is when she the the dollhouse finally gets her, which is what we're seeing now with Bennett. And um, so that during that that inter interlude, she went from the kind of uh, dilettante uh, animal rights activist to the you know what we see now is the kind of hardcore you know let's she says it so we'll call her a terrorist and that which is this is what en- ends up getting her I- into the dollhouse okay now I'm pretty now, sure there are a lot of there are a lot of lines that uh, I'm not sure what you call it when it's in reverse. I mean, it, it's not really foreshadowing, but certainly it's meaningful for what we already know. And that opening scene where they meet over lunch, uh, you know, at the outside at the picnic table, and they're talking about you know what they're majoring in. And Caroline tells her there are a lot of things I'd like to be. Well, 
you got your wish, Caroline, because you did get yeah. to be a lot of things yes, during absolutely. your three years in the dollhouse. Um, we see that original video yearbook clip that we saw at the beginning of the series. And then Echo and DeWitt, who are watching it together, Echo tells her she's happy Caroline's wedge is missing. And of course, we assume she stole it herself. And, and that's DeWitt's first inkling as well. But I think, again, on further review, it's more likely that Boyd had something to do with it because he doesn't want Caroline to resurface because she is the one that can point the finger. Or does him. he not? Well, I, that good point. Yeah. yeah, good point. Now, the next flashback scene we, we see, you know, they're in college, they're roommates. Bennett comes in the room and Caroline's like, you ready for your treatment? Back in the chair. I'm thinking, oh, this is awesome. I mean, again, I, I know Joss Whedon didn't write this episode, but as we've said many times, his fingerprints are all over you know, the, the dialogue. And she's changing Bennett's hair, who's starting a new job the next day at Rossum. Bennett later finds her file in Caroline's closet, tells her it came from the Rossum office in L.A. And, and here's, I guess, where I'm confused a little bit. We understand what Caroline's doing. Bennett's starting a new job. She's a serious, serious student, neuroscience right. major. She's got a job at this cutting-edge company. Why does she agree right away to help blow up a building? Yeah, yeah. I, so I thought you were going with that. Um, and and that, obviously, that's a question that we have, too, except, you know, I guess she's just such a kind of like needy person. And this is like her first like friend or that she's young and idealistic, even though she's taken the job at Rossum, she is still young enough to have that, that tint of idealism on her that, that, uh, you know, really she's kind of easily swayed that way. Or she could almost have been thinking that, you know, maybe, it's just a bunch of things, but I think it kind of it is a a bit of a stretch, plot wise uh, that we question. Um, but I think they also have established of Bennett being kind of like someone who just really needs a friend, and so might have really just latched on to Caroline, and there be therefore be you know is pretty pliable. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, I would certainly think that she researched Rossum before accepting a job there so she probably has some clue as to what's going on there but once they get in the headquarters which is in tucson and they start planting the bombs you know that's when caroline sees the lab with people in it notices that it's not on her floor plan and as she points out that if they don't have it on the floor plan it's because they don't want anybody to know that it's there and you know we see the guy with part of his brain exposed and he starts you know, singing some Italian opera that leads her to deviate from the plan, which is, you know, how everything happens uh, that, that Bennett loses the uh, use of her arm. But I, I, again, I, I just, I just can't let go of that. But I, I think it's later on when uh, Echo's talking to, I believe it's DeWitt. And I don't know if you noticed this, but they're talking about Bennett that she could kill you with her brain. <laughs> right do you get it yeah yes who who else can kill uh, you with her oh well 
I, I, River, River Tam. Yeah, yes, River Tam. Yeah, I was because I was like starting to thinking because there's this kind of going on in Westworld a little bit. So like you just caught me there for a sec because I, I just saw Westworld last night. Uh, but yes, River Tam, absolutely. All right. Now, you know, in the course of these flashbacks, we see Caroline taken into custody by Dominic and DeWitt. And, and that's the scene where she's told that someone upstairs wants to meet her and she's sent up alone in an elevator. And that's where we learn, well, DeWitt's never meant the man upstairs either. She enters the office of the head of Rossum and it's Clyde. And then, of course, that's where the big reveal Boyd comes out of the shadows tells her she's going to help them and they won't hurt her. You're far too valuable. You know, it's just like you want to scream when you realize that there is no season three to expand on, on these kinds of, uh, you know, intimations because we know there's so much there, but we're now forced to believe really, I mean, just see how they could have run with that and, spent a whole season where like we really just get the one episode where you know people now realize that that Boyd is the big bad you know but it's so funny that even just watching rewatching the season knowing that he is Rossum um you still just I just can't help but like the guy though you know <laughs> like well, well sure you know? I, I mean we we have to accept that he is the one that banished Clyde to the attic appears that he is the one that programmed Claire to put a bullet through Bennett's skull mm-hmm. to prevent her from repairing Caroline's wedge, which I think would in turn allow Echo to ID Boyd as one of Rossum's founders, which I believe that this that's what this is all about, preventing her from IDing him. Now, why at this point, I, I don't exactly know. The rest of the episode is all, you know, the quest to resurrect Caroline Farrell, because we know that only she can ID Clyde's partner. The question, as we've said a couple of times, they don't know what dumping Caroline's personality into Echo will do. DeWitt just says, do it. And I love the fact that Echo is is on board with it as well. And that line, are you finally ready to meet the girl who started all this trouble? Yeah. And, and then, of course, that's when we realize her wedge is missing. Yeah, but they and, they and, do. So correct me. Or they do repair her wedge, right? I mean, she she get like Caroline at the end. They do, right? Well, right. That's what they brought Bennett in yeah. to help Topher yeah. with. But right. then you know, like here's the thing. Like here's the twist, right? Like because Boyd shoots the dude who's about to shoot Echo as right. she's in the chair, right? So yeah. what's that all about? Yeah. I, you know? I don't know. Like they just killed I, Bennett, which we assume he did to prevent, you know, them from getting the, you know, Caroline back into her body. But now he protects her in order that she can get Caroline back in her body. So it's like, wait, what? You know, we mentioned bringing Bennett into the LA house. You love the awkwardness between Topher and Bennett. And, you know, the fact that they finally kiss it was just was just really gold and 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 the way that summer glow just really emotes that inexperience that she has with guys that it's and and Topher as well although i'll I'll give Topher a little bit of credit he surprised me that that you know he he went for it 
<laughs> now, again, a lot of lines that are great, and, and this is kind of Fred's milieu of, of bringing up the, the cool lines. But when she's first there, of course, she's angry that she's been kidnapped, number one. And I love, I'd like to file a formal complaint. <laughs> and, you know, a, a little bit later, Topher says to her, would it sound weird if I said it could prevent the end of the world as we know it? And then apologizes, of course, for slugging her in L.A. And then she's like, well, I was trying to kill your active at the time. So she's not stupid, though. Who's on the wedge? It doesn't take her long to realize it. It's Caroline. And, you know, now the question is, will she let her past with Caroline get in the way of doing what it is that they brought her there to do? No. No, no, no. No, and and I think, again, in retrospect, when we see the situation unfold, it is reasonable to say that she misjudges Caroline's action after she was trapped. I mean, what's Caroline going to do? Caroline tried to lift, you know, whatever it was that, that was trapping her off and, and had no luck. So what is staying there going to do other than the fact that they'll both get caught? Right, so. I, I, you could just see, you know, that that Bennett's. I mean, well, you know, while we understand, and and certainly, if Bennett had like the ability to emotionally distance herself from this, she could probably objectively see it as well. But you know, like her arm does get crushed, and she can no longer use it, and that's that's a tough thing, you know. And that also that abandonment, even though it was for an unselfish reason. Um, you know, it doesn't change that that hurt of feeling abandoned, and especially with, as we said, like Bennett being kind of like a little bit needy and and having a kind of a little bit of chick love going for Echo, uh, not Echo, I'm sorry, Caroline. That you know, all those kind of emotions swirling around to to create that that kind of bitterness. I think. Yeah. Now you know, in terms of relationships, you know, we're not totally surprised when Boyd goes home and Dr. Saunders, AKA Claire is there, you know, in a, in a, you know, black evening dress, mixing drinks and clearly a little surprise. Though. Of, well, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, we, we know they had a, a bit of a connection, but now after she shoots and kills Bennett and we've realized that he used her more than likely to carry out that assassination you know we talked about whether caroline is evil it's Boyd, but like you said how can you not like boyd i I guess we have so much history with him that it's hard to undo that now that the truth about him is revealed it's just something we're going to have to live with for another episode or two um we learn what it is that topher had to leave out of paul ballard when he imprinted him with his, his own consciousness but because so much of, of Ballard's brain was damaged, but it almost sounded as if Topher wasn't really sure what was going to be missing. What it is, is of course the connection that Ballard has with echo and that's right. what's missing. Right. But you know, and again, I'm not an expert on the brain, but it seems like his connection with Melly slash November is still there. So, would that not be approximately the same area of the brain that I don't know. You would think that that's 
a good point. I, I didn't think about it. I mean, I remember her saying that, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Now, how Dominic gets out of his tub in the attic, I'm not sure is clear. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I think that's just a, a, a plot jump. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it kind of set us up for us because Echo was able to, to get herself out, right? Um, so we just figure, okay, well, maybe. Maybe she left the, uh, the the escape plan with Dominic that he could get out or something. But they both realize that the only hope for him is to put him back in the attic un- until they can tend to him medically, even though he, he protests. And, and certainly we uh, understand why. But Dominic obviously needs more medical attention than Saunders can give him. DeWitt goes back to her office, and that's where she finds Ambrose, his two goons, tells her he's taken over, liquidating the inventory, and Boyd's standing by as well. And again, that's one of those details that I, I really forgot how this scene transpired. And, and you know, next thing you know, Boyd shoots all three of them, but yeah. he takes a gunshot wound to the gut as well although it looks like it's off to the side and he mentions it's a through and through he'll be okay Uh, claire seemed to be okay with it as well which surprised me a little bit you know she just says here take this antiseptic take these that'll help the infection here more bandages you can't go to a hospital i would have thought she would have really pleaded with him to stay and let her tend to him or, or something along those lines. So I thought that was a little odd, but, but still uh, we're not really sure what we've got with Claire, AKA Dr. Saunders. I mean, who is she? We don't really know at this point. Right, right, right. Is she, is she doctors? Because she does. I I think she refers to Dr. Saunders kind of like a, in the past third person type thing. But so is she whiskey now, you know, like where, where, you know, whiskey, not like with multiple personalities like Echo, but she is her own personality now. That's not an imprinted one, but not her own. Right. Right. And uh, we're not sure. I mean, the first thing she does when she sees Topher with the cut lip is sit him down. She puts on her doctor's white coat and goes to work. So I, I, I love the ambiguity here. That, that we really yeah. don't know, you know, who she is and right. you know, what she's going to be. But well, we just needs. don't know like this whole thing with Boyd, like what, what is going on here? You know, like what, like what's his, what's his game? You know, like has he been playing like undercover boss for two seasons now? And, you know, like why, like what's, what's the story? Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I understand. Now, Ivy and Topher have been restoring the dolls to their original states, presumably so that Rossum won't have access to them and that they won't get caught in the crossfire of the war that is on the horizon. But do you remember the guy that Topher, you know, brings him back, he gets up and, uh, you know, was, was it really five years? It feels like it was just yesterday. (laughs) You, You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm looking at that guy. I'm like, I know that guy. Yeah. And more than an actor. It's Rick Fox, who was an NBA player and was Eliza Dushku's boyfriend at the time. Oh, okay. So one thing that it tells me, Fran Kranz, who plays Topher, must be fairly tall because when Rick Fox was standing next to him, they seemed to be on a level 
playing field uh-huh. that he wasn't all that much taller than than Topher. But regardless, he goes out and you know you mentioned the deal that Echo makes with Bennett about bringing Caroline back, and you know if you do that, you know later on I'll hold her down. You can do whatever you want. Um, now, how and, is she going to do that? Though? Well, I understand that. I understand that. Claire telling Bennett that Topher's in love with her. And then that that line that we haven't heard for so long, I used to be number one. And then it gets back to what we were just saying a minute ago. Well, who are we dealing with here? Right, right. Because that's, that's whiskey talking right there, right? Right, exactly. And while we know that Victor's facial scars were fixed, she's chosen to not have hers fixed. Right. For whatever reason. Right. And then, you know... I mean, look, we, we all know what Topher becomes because we saw Epitaph 1. Mm-hmm. But that, that conversation he has when he tells Ivy to get out, I mean, it's just really like when Echo takes Sierra and Victor into the hallway and I, I, they almost, I think, believe that she's going to tell them, you know, here's your mission, do this. But what she's really telling them, just get out, yeah. go be with each other. Yeah. And if you, and if you forget to come back, that's okay. And- that's really what Topher's doing with Ivy. You can write your own ticket. Get out of here now. Don't become me. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, all the little steps along the way in season two that lead Topher to the Topher that we see in Epitaph One. It just, again, it's like DeWitt says, I didn't know that Topher really recognized another human being other than himself. And, and clearly he does. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, we've seen this kind of evolution of Topher um, happening over the two seasons, right? And yeah, so we see this as kind of like I'd say probably the most unselfish thing he's done, well, like, unless maybe going and um, I don't know if we call it unselfish, but you know, killing that guy uh, who was uh, you know Sierra's uh, you know demon. But uh, but certainly uh, a very altruistic moment for Topher Brink here. But what we also see then is the first signs of that trauma that we know you know leads to how he is in Epitaph One, right? Um, yeah, you know where he just this. I mean, let's face it, Topher probably is not a guy who's had lots of you know romantic relationships in his life, and here he's just you know basically kind of fallen in love with this girl they've kissed for the first time and no sooner has that happened than she gets shot in the head that's that's freaking traumatic you know like that's 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 something you get over easily yeah yeah and, and then you know the the final scene of this sequence you know the dollhouse is being breached by you know the the Rossum agents in riot gear Topher is done, though, you know, echoes into the chair and he does to her whatever. I I guess she's got Caroline's consciousness inside her now. DeWitt wants to stay. And it's Topher that notes, you're the general. You can't stay. We need you, which I I think is perfect. And I'm glad that she took him at his word and, and is going to escape. But, you know, of course, the scene in which Boyd is revealed as the co-creator and really the man in charge because he's put Clyde in the attic, 
is how we end the episode. But wow. So I I don't know anything that you want to bring up that we haven't talked about. I think we might have hit, you know, except what we we've kind of been talking about this whole season as being taking us, you know, closer and closer and closer to Epitaph One, and, and we're just kind of like checking off the boxes of, you know, all these things that that we see that that bring the world to where it is, and we can kind of see now like it's the the, the chaos of the end of this episode, um, you know very clearly kind of bringing us right we feel like epitaph one is just like a couple days in the future now whereas before we might have seen it as being years in the future now it seems like well all this stuff seems to be happening very quickly and it looks like it's kind of happening now right and then it begs the question what the hell is rossum thinking i mean again i mentioned earlier what is boyd's end game I mean, really, I mean, it's almost like a psychopath that has this power at his fingertips and is ready to just, you know, let the virus loose in the wild just to see what happens. Yeah, I I guess not unlike the rain. If you watch the rain, I'm not sure if you've watched it. I haven't seen that now, Um, which (laughs) seems to be the case there as well. Hopefully we'll find out something in season two, but um All right, well, why don't we leave it there and take a listen to what Fred has to say about this week's episode. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some Dollhouse feedback, Season 2, Episode 11. First off, quite coincidental that you picked the big blue tree of last episode for your episode page. Dave called it this really cool old tree. I picked the same scene for my regular tweet, Fred is watching. The only difference was that the frame you picked was a little bit more zoomed in. Second remark, I listened to your episode 10 podcast and Wayne was saying that he thought the acting of all actors was a little bit off. This suddenly gave me the idea that the whole episode was not real and just played in the mind of somebody in stasis in the attic. Um with Echo being the first candidate, of course. Third point. It was nice to hear that you are considering to do a podcast about the premiere of the series Reverie. Without giving spoilers, I have to say that the second episode, which I watched in the meanwhile, is uh, as good or as bad as the premiere. Perhaps a little better, because we are getting to know the characters and the setting better. Okay, about episode 11, uh, season 2 of Dollhouse, with the title Getting Closer. My assumption that the whole episode 10 was just in somebody's brain, in the attic, didn't come true. The whole team is gathered and uh, they are discussing whether it's wise to get Caroline back. Quote from Tover, Ivy's right, we actually don't know Uh, what dumping Caroline into Echo's brain will do. Your your original self becomes home and finds the house party that's going on inside your head. She might fight back, and Echo answered, she would lose. I really love the interaction between Bennett and Tover, um, and actually the same is true for the interaction between Bennett and Caroline. 
So if you see how it goes, oh, 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 poor, poor Tover. I think the episode was a little over flooded with flashbacks. Bennett's flashbacks, Caroline's flashbacks, Adele's. Um, is this all necessary to speed up things so the series could get uh, its proper ending? Is that the reason why they are doing this? And yeah, my second favorite character is back. Dr. Saunders, a.k.a. Whiskey. Um, I didn't expect her. I didn't see that coming, by the way. Uh, not even when Boyd uh, walked into his motel room talking to somebody, uh, which we did, don't see at first. Uh, I didn't expect Saunders. It was a strange feeling, uh, them all working together, including Bennett. The map of Russom's headquarters in Tucson on Bennett's laptop reminded me strongly of the old computer game Pac-Man. And then, Dr. Saunders shooting Bennett. What the heck? Just hatred because Caroline became number one instead of her? Or what? Or just the sleeper agent for Rossum, as said in the episode. Best line from the episode, and actually that was quite in the beginning of the episode, echo to Ballard, we haven't really talked since you died. This sounds like a classical George Whedon line. Okay, last remark. I hope we'll, I will be able to give feedback for next week's episode because I have to go to Mila, uh, Milan in Italy for uh, five days. But I will do my best. Perhaps just a written feedback. I have an international genetics conference over there. That was all. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Now, I think the use of flashbacks, I, at least there's no voiceovers this time. And I, I think I've really mm -hmm. come to your way of thinking about voiceovers. But I'm okay. I mean, I, Fred, I agree with you. I think they use the flashbacks to kind of speed up the narrative a bit as if they know that the end for the series you know, is in sight. But I still think they were employed pretty effectively. And I think we learned a lot that, that helps us you know, as we do get to the end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think they, they've used them fairly judiciously and they've used flashbacks pretty much throughout because we have where we are now. And of course, the, the you know, big question would be, well, how did, you know, this, how did these people, how did this girl get there uh, before? So, you know, for them to, without beating it over the head, for them to reveal piecemeal a little bit at a time. And that's what I think. You know, I was actually just kind of glancing through my notes. I think it was back in, the, the, you know, when we talked about the, the episode of Echoes where um, it's back on the college campus and she has the flashbacks of her boyfriend dying. I think that's how she got on DeWitt's radar back then. But right. They, but they didn't get her then because she they went to a hospital. I think she got out of the hospital before – uh, she left the hospital before they were able to bring her in. So, so, but yeah, we get these little details, um, like a little bit at a time rather than a whole one, you know, like a, you know, three story arc to show, you know, Caroline Farrell and how she became a doll and everything. So, um, I like it. Fred mentions Topher and Bennett. And as I said, anytime they're in the same room together, it's just magic. And that look, that she gives him while she's working on the wedge and Topher's mooning over her. It's like, it's just, just great acting. Just, just really great. And then it brings up the idea of, of Saunders, AKA Claire and 
the relationship with Boyd at this point. And, and as I said, I'm pretty sure that that he just programmed her to take Bennett out so that uh, Caroline would be prevented from resurfacing. But but yet, uh, you know, he's yet. he's there making sure that Caroline gets back into Echo's body. Yeah. So now maybe he thinks that that will be too much and that Caroline entering that fray will perhaps cause Echo to self-destruct. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I agree with you. It doesn't seem to make sense, but. Yeah. So here, here's something I just thought of, too, because in Epitaph 1, we see that Whiskey has stayed back and she's the only one who's remained at the dollhouse while everyone else has escaped. Is that some kind of either punishment and or penance for what she did here? I think it is. Yeah, I just thought of that. Yeah, and I, I, I really do think it is. And, and, and it comes across that way as well. You know, when yeah. we see it's really a heartbreaking scene in Epitaph 1. When it, we it, see is, her. it is indeed, yes. So, all right, well. Fred, thanks, as always, for the uh, great feedback. And we've got two episodes of Dollhouse to go. And, you know, uh, Fred mentioned again in, in his uh, message to me today as he was submitting his feedback whether we thought any more about doing the Reverie pilot. And I think we can go ahead and commit to to taking a look at the Reverie pilot in a couple sure. weeks. You, you on board with that? Yeah, we can do the pilot, sure. Good. I mean, it really sounds like an intriguing show and, and, and certainly worth taking a look at. So, Fred, I've already got your feedback on Reverie, so you're good to go there. <laughs> but all right. So we'll leave it there. That's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about anything that's going on in genre television these days. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word emails as always go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can get on the website we'll be back next time to talk about dollhouse season two episode 12 titled the hollow men but until then you know dave i don't know if you knew this but i always had a crush on you even when i thought you were a dude